the final of the final psalm of the fifth book of the Psalms, which means the final psalm of the book of Psalms. I call it elements of worship. So we're going to look at uh, the who of worship, the why of worship, and the how of worship as we look here at uh, this psalm. First of all, in the elements of worship, Psalm 150, <clears throat> the who of worship. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yah. Hallelujah. Here's the who. Praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the firmament of his might. The who of worship. Now let's consider how this uh, is, is worded for us. So it starts out, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, this is, Yah is the abbreviated, often used uh, derivative of Yahweh. It's the name, uh, it's the covenant name of God, the, the covenant name of God for his people with his people. Uh, it reminds us of his love, of his covenant. And that covenant with his people means that he has covenanted within himself, takes the responsibility upon himself to save us. In saving us, he keeps us saved. In keeping us saved, he cares for us. Uh, and in caring for us, he teaches us that he eventually will glorify us in the ages of the ages. There are several reasons there to praise the who of the elements of worship, that is Yahweh or, or God. Now, it starts out with the covenant name of Yah here, and uh, it takes us into the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, Son of God, and the new covenant was not sealed by the blood of animal sacrifices, but by the precious blood of Christ. Now, you notice here it says, hallelujah, that's praise Yah or praise the Lord. And then it says, praise God. Uh, Elohim, the, 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 the term for, God, for, for the who of worship goes from Yah to Elohim, God. Now, of course, there's always a reason for anything that's given, anything that the Holy Spirit teaches us uh, in, the, in the blessed holy book here. God, one of my seminary professors said that God is the power name of the Almighty. Uh, El or Elohim, it reminds us that whatever he promises, he has the power in time and space to perform it. If he said he's going to do it, He's going to do it. He'll do it according to his way, according to his plan, his, worship, uh, his purpose in his time. So we trust him in that. And it may not happen as quickly as we want it to happen, but we trust him. So the term God, the power name is used to remind us that he has all the power to keep whatever he promises. We should also be reminded here that worship is not about the worshiper. It's not about me when I worship God. 
It's not even about my needs. It's about the glory and power of my creator, the almighty God, my creator, my savior, my friend, the one who tends to me. Now let's look at that verse again. Hallelujah, praise God in his holy place. That, uh, that's an interesting uh, aspect of worship. His holy place. Now, of course, this is a time, this is written in the time of, uh, of temple worship, of the temple, in his, in his holy place. It also says, praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the firmament of his might. So we can move, really, we can move, I didn't include it here, but the thought just hit me. Not only the who of worship, but the where of worship. Now, of course, the, the, the temple is the, is the place where the covenant God would receive as a sweet-smelling savor from his people uh, sacrifices where they came knowing that they had a personal relationship in the sense that he had covenanted with him, with them, with Israel. Now, the firmament is, of course, the great expanse of heaven. The temple, the sanctuary, was the Jewish place where the priests and the Levites uh, led the people in the worship and the praise of God. And we've talked about that before in our study of the Psalms. And we know that the Lord doesn't live in a structure. He doesn't live in a place that we design and that we build. But there really isn't anything sinful about setting aside a place that is totally dedicated by his people to worshiping him. Nothing wrong with that. The early church met in the temple. Uh, they met in upper rooms. They met in private homes. Um, they met in synagogues. Uh, and when, when the persecution of the church began, we're told that they, they worshiped in caves. Uh, they worshiped in underground uh, burial chambers. So, we should never excuse ourselves from public worship. And we should always be reminded that God in Christ has commanded us to come together, to gather together with other believers. That's found in Hebrews 10. And where we can lift our hearts to the Lord and we can do that anywhere. We can do that from any geographic location because God is everywhere. So we've talked about the who of worship, Almighty God. We've touched on the where of worship here, uh, His holy place, um, and also in, in the firmament. But why? What is the why? Why do we worship? Let's look at verse 2. Praise Him with His mighty deeds. Praise Him as um, as befits his superb greatness. Give him the praise that is due him because of the great things he has done, the mightiness that he has demonstrated, and his, his superb greatness, which everybody uh, has to acknowledge. Of course, the Old Testament records many mighty acts of God and they were performed for the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. 
but especially notable. And it's, it's carried through all the way, even into the New Testament, are the, are the Exodus mighty deeds that came from God for his, for his chosen people. And from there then, the great things that God did with them, through them, for them, in the conquest of the promised land. And then after that, something that we're beginning to study in uh, on Wednesday nights, well, not tonight, but we'll get back to it next time, God willing, in First Samuel, and then right after that will be in Second Samuel, uh, the expansion of David's kingdom, the establishment and the expansion of David's kingdom, and then later on, the mighty acts of God that he performed when he delivered the Jews from, uh, from Babylon. And uh, then, then when he restored the nation under, under the Persians, uh, the great things that, that God did, and God just did it. God did it himself. He didn't need any help to do these things. And we moved from there into the four gospels, and the acts of God are done through the hands by the miracles of Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God. And then in the Acts and in the epistles, we have the record of the Holy Spirit's mighty acts as they were accomplished through the people of God as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is established throughout the world. Uh, built on the Great Commission, based on the great gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so the acts of God reveal His character, his love for his people, his wisdom, his holiness, his power, his grace, all of these things. So when we look at this, verse 2, his excellent or his superb greatness, praise him as befits his excellent or his superb, his, ex his greatness that is above any greatness anyone uh, could imagine. So we talk when we talk about his superb or excellent greatness, uh, we see that the acts of God are built on the things that reveal who he is, uh, especially to his people. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had a calendar of special feasts to help them remember who God is and what he has done. And those feasts were were high moments for them. They were, they were happy times. There is no way for us to plumb the depths of all that God is or all that he's done for us. This is why eternal worshiping God, eternally worshiping of God, will never become boring. Always something new and exciting uh, to praise God about, to learn about God, and then to offer Him honor and glory for, for it because it's a new and exciting thing that only His people get to enjoy. Now, what about the means or how do we worship? How The how of worship. We're going to finish out here, three through six. Praise, let's see, praise him with a shofar blast. That's a, ooh, that's that great war trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and lyre. Those are musical instruments, stringed instruments. Praise him with timbres or 
cymbals, timbers, and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flute. Praise him with resounding, resounding, with, with resounding cymbals. Praise him with resonant cymbals. Let every soul praise God. Hallelujah. Let's break that down. Those instruments that have been mentioned are, would make a mighty orchestra in high, middle, and low tones. And the cymbals uh, would add uh, drama, would add a dramatic sound uh, to the music. So every kind of, of musical instrument here and the activity of his people. We talked about how last time in the Old Testament worship, uh, the Kohathites, the, the priests that were designated as worship leaders had, uh, had, young, had young virgins separated uh, to provide a special kind of, uh, of, of dance, uh, interpretive dance, uh, so that as the psalms were read or sung and they would perform their interpretation, it added again to the depth and the height of the drama and the wonder of the worship of the people uh, back in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a glorious thing. Now, you know, there's another thing too. Uh, you'll find no prohibition in Scripture against the use of man-made instruments in the worship of God. It's not there. Instruments are going to be used in heaven. We read that in the, the Revelation 5, again, um, again in the Revelation 8. Instruments in heaven used for worship in heaven. And the Revelation 5 and uh, uh, the Revelation 15 teach us that there will also be singing along with those instruments. So as I said, the psalmist seems to describe a glorious orchestra with stringed instruments, percussion instruments, and wind instruments. Uh, so it's, it's dramatic. It's, uh, it's glorious. And it is designed to reach into the soul of the worshiper. Uh, it says... It says here, let every soul, let everything that has breath, let every breath, let every breath, let every, let every uh, breath giver, let every soul praise God. Hallelujah. So you can see how the music would start with the shofar blast and then the stringed instruments and then the, uh, the tambourines and then the interpretive dance and the stringed instruments, the flutes and the cymbals, different kinds of cymbals that would be low and high uh, in, in their contribution to the overall sound. And then all that ends with this, let everything that breathes, let every soul praise Elohim, praise God, hallelujah. And the Bible even teaches us that it's possible for things that don't even have breath to praise the Lord. Jesus Christ said so himself. So 
the elements of worship, the who of worship, the where of worship, the why of worship, and the how of worship. These things should give us an expanded view of how we should never, we should never fall short in our worship of the Lord, our Creator, and our Savior. Well, that's all uh, that I have. That completes the fifth book of, uh, of the Psalms. Remind you of your prayer list. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, I failed to do this. Uh, and uh, my apologies to, to Tim and Steve, Tim Eccles and Steve Malone who put it together. You may have known in the, uh, or observed during Sunday's worship service, during the during the worship time, the 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 song and praise time, that every once in a while something would go across that said "Kingdom, Kingdom." Well, before I started preaching, I was supposed to mention that, and I just you know when I stand up, my mind sits down. So I would tell you tonight that uh, for our Townsend, Tennessee Adult Bible Study Retreat. The subject is going to be the kingdom, uh, the development of the kingdom. We're going to try to look at it as much as we can through the scriptures and the glorious thoughts that we ought to have of the coming kingdom and our present place in that kingdom and the place that we'll have, God willing, in, uh, in the kingdom that is yet to come. Well, let's pray and uh, we'll be through for tonight. Father God in heaven, we love you. We thank you for teaching us how to praise you. How the, how the glory fills our hearts and the Spirit moves us into this time of, of worship and dramatic praise. Father, we pray your blessings upon Shiloh. We have many people who are sick and you know more than I do, Lord. And I pray your blessings and healing to be upon them. I pray for those who might be traveling. Lord, we're facing, as you know, more weather, bad weather. We pray your help here and your protection. We pray for our nation. Lord, we're, you know, we're in a mess. Christians are coming under increasingly uh, scrutinizing steps that could lead to our persecution, our open persecution. But we don't rely on ourselves. We rely on you. We trust you. So we pray for our leaders as we should. And we pray for wisdom to be upon them. And that you would, oh God, please give us peace in our villages, in our towns, in our states, and in our nation. And help us to prosper in the way that we ought to prosper so that our needs are met. And now, God, we thank you for your word and for the privilege and the opportunity of studying it together tonight. Bless our hearts and teach us in our hearts about these elements of worship that we might carry it forward in our own time of personal worship as we move through this life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you for being with us.